0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there. Welcome back, everybody. All righty. Let's see. I've got three major things here that I'd like to bring up. I have a bit of geopolitical stuff to mention here at the start. In fact, there's a great deal going on. And I want to make mention of this first, actually, before I sort of describe the rest of the episode. What I'm interested in doing with this show given the fact that it's just becoming more and more relevant and more and more intertwined, certainly with education and medicine and health and so on and so forth, is that from time to time, I'm going to be spending a little more time, I guess, on geopolitical affairs and geopolitical issues. I hope that that's okay with everybody, because again, I think that it's beyond relevant. And because I, I, I pay attention to a number of different boards and I and I read a number of different things and I listen to a great deal of stuff, I, I feel the need, again, to bring this to people's attention the best that I can. Again, this is my interpretation of other people's interpretation uh of what's going on both nationally, you know, domestically, and then globally. Um But we're living through interesting times, to say the least, and and this is a remarkable time to be alive. And there's not only a lot going on, I think that there's a lot that's going to be happening in the very near future, where the bad guys are going to be held accountable. I do believe that this is going to happen. There are endless signs that this is the case. Lots of clues that are out there that, that point to that. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to spend a little more time on that from time to time. Keep in mind, the the subject of education is always the foundation of this show, and it always will be. Which leads me then to the second story, which I have, which is a complete breakdown of a violent knife attack in a high school. Um, it was on the Gateway Pundit. I, I posted the video specifically onto my Gab page. Uh, you can bounce over there and check it out if you're on Gab. And I'm, I'm going to go through that video step by step because it is very emblematic of what is going on in American K-12 schools and society among youth as a whole. And it's awful. It's beyond awful. And again, in, in one two-minute video or less than two-minute video, you see a variety of different things take place that are occurring also in society. And, and it's just, it all happens in one hallway is the point. Uh, in particular if you know what you're looking at. So I'm going to go through that as well. And then there's a letter that I want to read from a college student to their university having to do with the jabs and the whole jab policy and a variety of other issues related to that. So with all of that said, here's where I want to start. Over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, For the first time, when it came to Q drops and Q posts that had been made, there was an individual, a British man, who created a a series of videos, a few of them anyway, connecting the Q posts to the Law of War manual that exists here in the United States. And he did a very good job of that. And he was the first person to... Basically, do that to make that connection. That we aren't just reading Q posts and Q drops and looking at things one dimensionally, and even that some some things that were mentioned will come true in the future, and and so on and so forth. But that it actually specifically connects to the Law of War Manual, which is two volumes. Um, I, I possess the book in my home, remarkably thick, but it's also remarkably descriptive as to what. The roles of the military are in endless situations, and endless scenarios. So, what we were shown with the cue drops as he points out, is that what we're watching is not necessarily a movie per se, but we are watching the Law of War manual be planned out and be shown to all of us as to what the ultimate response is going to be here regarding government officials and society as a whole when it comes to holding all of these lawbreakers accountable. So, let me introduce his page to you first if you're unaware of who this is and where you can watch these videos. And the reason that I'm bringing this up too is because he just released a three-part series of brand new posts. Uh well well not new posts, but three brand new videos going through this and making specific connections to other things, but also using the Law of War manual as well. So if you get on Rumble and you select channels, in the search bar you type in Magic Eyes Only, and it's spelled M-A-J-I-C-E-Y-E-S-Q-N-L-Y. Now, the most three recent videos that he's put out are uh, approximately... Five hours and 20 minutes long, five hours and 30 minutes long. Five hours and 33 minutes, to be precise. Uh, I, I watched all of this, and I took notes, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch it. you most certainly should. But if you don't find the time to sit down and watch this, which believe me, if you do watch it, it's worth it. At the very least, you'll be able to listen to my interpretation of this and then make up your own mind, basically. But again, I would encourage anybody to watch this because it's, it's worth it. And at first, it can sound remarkably overwhelming because it is, because it's warfare, and we are in a war. This is World War III, as he clearly lays out, but that th- there are certain things, of course, that have to be complicated and sort of pre-programmed in order to confuse a number of different individuals, in particular the enemy. And uh, and that's certainly what took place with a lot of those Q drops. I mean, that was the point. The point was to confuse a number of different individuals, and then, I guess, stoke the flames of curiosity with endless others. Here's another reason why I'm going to bring this up. If you're disgusted by the conversation or talk about Q posts, I apologize for that, and I'm sorry. I think that it's American history. It is American history. It's beyond relevant. There are already endless students in school who have done Q-related drop presentations in their classes, opened up the eyes of their peers, their classmates, and even their teachers. And as we know, it's easier in society to just name-call and make fun of and blindly dismiss, or even use those Q-drops to profit from it and then when we stop understanding particular things we don't seek to understand more we just name call and then dismiss it see i don't like that i don't like the name calling i don't like the dismissal because that's what the enemy does but when you have people on our side so to speak name call and dismiss all of it what makes them any different than our enemy who's trying to disparage cur- you, know, you know blatant curiosity and uh Trying to get down to the bottom of things and even get to a point where we can analyze a lot of this information and then make calculated predictions of what's going to happen in the future so that we can prepare and even put our minds at ease. And I think that that's something that this individual does, magic eyes only, does a very good job of doing and makes very sensical and plausible connections. As to not only what has gone on in the past, but what is going on now, and what's likely to occur in the future. Because with everything that's taken place, and everything that we've seen, you can't possibly believe that, we're, that people aren't going to be held accountable. You've heard me say, you know, it's the zoots thing, chess, chess move. that they are That they've backed themselves into a corner, and whatever move they make, it's going to be their last. Any move that they make when they're pinned in is is going to be destructive for them, just like the entire education business, for example. Look what they've done to themselves. look what they're doing to themselves. It isn't any different geopolitically with these politicians. so they have nothing but cheating and murder and and crime and biological warfare and and death that, That's the only thing that they have left higher taxes, poverty, crime. You know, these are, the, these are the only things that they have left. And this these are the things that they do very well. And they trick people into actually voting for these kinds of things. So allow me to get into his five-hour-plus videos here. Again, I will link the description below to his Rumble channel so that you can watch them. You'll see it because they'll be the top three videos, and it'll start three videos down where it says part one of three, and then there's part two of three, and then part three of three. I'm telling you, if you watch these, it's practically undeniable. So, allow me to get into it here. Um, First of all, he makes a lot of connections between the movie and the book, the graphic novel V for Vendetta. If you've never seen the film nor read the book, I highly recommend doing both. I recommend reading the book first, the graphic novel first. You can purchase it, it's it's less than, you know, it's about 20 bucks. It's excellent. Um I own it. It's amazing and it's way more descriptive than the movie V for Vendetta. But written by Alan Moore, it's it's incredible. Alan Moore of course also wrote Watchmen. He wrote uh let's see the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, he wrote a lot of different graphic novels and a lot of major characters, uh very interesting stuff, and certainly politically motivated and forward thinking to say the least. I don't know if he was a mason or not, but it's very interesting stuff w- without a doubt. there's also connections to the 1980 movie or eighties movie with Matthew Broderick War Games. I believe that was in the eighties. Um, again, a lot of different connections there also, and a lot of similar language with what was going on with the Q-drops as well. As he continues to break down these posts, there's a lot of gematria that is used, which again is u- utilizing letters and numbers and how they interchange with one num- with one another, like the letter A, for example, is the number one. Uh, as far as numerology is concerned, number one is the letter A in the alphabet, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, but there's uh, there's consistent references to Con Plan eight eight eight, and I want to mention this because again, you can look this up for yourself. There are you, you can type this into a search engine and find the PDFs associated with this. In fact, there's a section here in one PDF that I found, again, on ConPlan 888. It's also called ConOp. But there's a disclaimer here and a couple of disclaimers, one that's actually embedded within the document and then a separate disclaimer. Let me read the separate one. It says, This fictitious plan was created by junior military officers undergoing training related to the Department of Defense's joint operational planning and execution system or J-O-P-E-S, the formalization process by which the department conducts all contingency planning and execution. In an effort to learn the J-O-P-E-S process and to do so in a more interesting way, the students were assigned this completely fictitious scenario and directed to use J-O-P-E-S to develop a written contingency plan. Using this fictitious scenario, avoided concerns over the use of classified information. It resolved sensitivity to using real-world nations or scenarios, and it better engages or engaged the students. And then there's another disclaimer here within the actual plan itself. It says this. It says, Disclaimer, Con Plan 888 Disclaimer. It says, quote, This plan was not actually designed as a joke. During the summers of 2009 and 2010, while training augmentees from a local training squadron about the JOPP, members of the U.S. STRATCOM component found out by accident that the hyperbolic involved in writing a quote unquote zombie survival plan actually provided a very useful and effective training tool. Planners who attended JPMAME2 at the Joint Combined Warfighting School also realized that training examples for plans must accommodate the political fallout that occurs if the general public mistakenly believes that a fictional training scenario is actually a real plan. Rather than risk such an outcome, by teaching our augmentees using the fictional Tunisia, or Nigeria scenarios used at JCWS, we elected to use a completely implausible, or impossible rather, scenario that could never be mistaken as a real plan. Because the plan was so ridiculous, our students not only enjoyed the lessons, they actually were able to explore the basic concepts of the plan and order development, fact assumptions specified in implement. Implied tasks, references, etc., very effectively. It says we posted this plan because we feel it is very enjoy a very enjoyable way to train new planners and boost retention of critical knowledge. We posted this to Intellipedia after reading about the benefits of our crowdsourcing phenomenon in the business management book, *The Starfish and the Spider* (quote unquote). Our intent was to place this training tool in the wild, quote-unquote, so that others who were interested in finding new and innovative ways to train planners could have an alternative and admittedly unconventional tool at their disposal that could be modified and updated over time. We also hoped that this type of non-traditional training approach would provide inspiration for other personnel trying to teach topics that can be very boring. Finally, we figured it we figured that an entity like this would not only be instructive, but possibly entertaining for personnel development away from their families supporting military ops abroad. If this plan helps illustrate how J-O-P-P works and brings a smile or a brief laugh in the process, so much the better. If you suspend reality for a few minutes, this type of training scenario can actually take a very dry, monotonous topic and turn it into something rather enjoyable. Unquote. Okay, so what Magic Eyes only does in his posts, and when what Q and what he alludes that Q is consistently making reference to is Con Plan Eight Eight Eight, which again doesn't have to do necessarily with zombies. It has to, do, which isn't real. It has to do with implementing a military program on the populace. In the event of either catastrophic illness or a lack of control, let's say behavior control, Uh, not necessarily rioting, but a lack of understanding regarding a biological illness of some kind. Now, you can make that connection, of course, to what's going on now. And you can make that connection to what is actually happening regarding all of the revelations that are continuing to come out about these shots and these bioweapon shots. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going here because I, I want to I wrap this up and I want to finish this because, again, I'm, I'm taking five hours of information plus, and I'm trying to summarize it as quickly as I can here, maybe less than 30 minutes. But in essence, what he says is, is that, again, within the Q drops, there was one specific one that specifically said, People will be terrified, but public disclosure has to exist, because that's the only way that we come together as a society, that we and the military have to work with one another against government, which is exactly what happens in V for Vendetta. The military backs down, allows the people who know the truth to essentially take back their country, with the military's help, who becomes knowledgeable as to what is going on, and then we hold government accountable. He specifically says that that is exactly what's going to happen, and that there will be military operations that take place once the full disclosure occurs to help those who are jabbed, and to help them understand what they've done to themselves, and then what lies ahead for them. There may even be, as he alludes to, and as Majestic 12, which is allegedly this group. I know this sounds out there, by the way, for a lot of people listening to this, but stay with me here. The, the, basically, there's allegedly a cure for, for getting rid of the mRNA out of, out of your body and potentially repairing your DNA. I'm hopeful about that, as I hope a lot of people are. Um, but at the same time, Full disclosure of, of all of the enemy's plans has to take place first. And if people, unfortunately, willfully line up to take these biological shots, which they've done, and been coerced to do and bribed to do and threatened and did it because they actually thought they were helping themselves and the people around them, well, that's their own fault then. I mean, that's their own inability to, to think clearly about the fact that we are at war. The same thing happens in V for Vendetta. And then they allegedly offer people a pill, which also helps people allegedly, but of course it doesn't. It's all for profit. Now, what does that sound like? Paxlovid. So, the, again, the connections between what was written by Alan Moore and what is going on now are absolutely remarkable. Let me cut to some of the chase here. He says that in order for government to be completely caught in the in our government which has been taken over by the CCP which is why you see Washington DC is empty you see all of the uh the fencing is has been put up all of that uh, he says that there's there's no way that we can catch them unless the 118th Congress if i'm getting that correct which is the upcoming congress uh that they have to be voted in which, of course, would be in January of 2023. He also says, which it's alluded to apparently in these Q-drops and uh, with much analysis, I might add, that there will not be a 2024 presidential election. That if you take into account Guy Fawkes Day, which is referenced, of course, all throughout V for Vendetta, which is the premise of the entire thing for the most part, or the underlying history lesson, that the 5th of November of 2024 is the presidential election day. So remember, remember the 5th of November, that that basically right there is going to tell people that there will not be a presidential election, that people will either be arrested before then or that day itself. And then there will be martial law in our country. That will happen. And then that's when this con plan 888 basically rolls out. Um, That's my estimation anyway, but then that's when that rolls out. So one thing has to happen before the other, and then once all of that rolls out, that's when people are really going to start waking up in mass. Because what we're seeing now, again, if you think about it, what we're seeing now is a dripping of information to make things as blatantly obvious and uncomfortable for the people who do not know what is going on but i don't have a problem thinking deeper about this and i hope you don't either and i hope you don't have a problem listening to this either because this is thought provoking stuff i mean this is a big deal again it's american history and and think about what's being taught in american schools and think about this is this being discussed no this is higher order thinking here and um and and again i i hope that you're consistently thinking about the same kinds of things but anyway he says that uh that's going to be the case that the members of the Biden administration are going to be arrested before 2020 before election day of 2024 if not in 2023. Um what else here? Sorry I'm looking at my notes. Ba ba That the law of war is the storm. That's the direct implication there also. Um he also said that there's likely to be, again, more biological weapons, more shedding, more rollouts of biological weapons, trying to get the people to take as many drugs as humanly possible and scare them and use scare events into having them take as, as much as they can. We're seeing that now, also. Again, you know, these articles are hitting the mainstream. I'm bringing them up here as, as best that I can. Again, the the flu shots with the mRNA flu shots killing people, so on and so forth. So all of that, uh, all of that is brought up. What else? That the the simple fact that we're going to see this. This is not going to be hidden. That we are going to see accountability, and that will happen because it's the seeing of the accountability that's going to galvanize the people into one. And once we are all joined, and we know who the enemy is, then all the better. Again, there's going to be more casualties, no doubt about it. That's ongoing. That's an ongoing thing. Let me give you another taste again. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll mention it now because it's relevant. Uh, The Atlantic, the far left magazine, of course, just came out. It was written by a leftist professor, apparently, but an, an article coming out basically saying, hey, look, can't we all just get along? I mean, can't we all just get along based on everything that's happened this entire time? And, uh, you know, we're we're all in this together. And yes, you know, people were right about the masks and wrong about the masks. And, uh, you know, people were right about the shots, but then we were all wrong about the shots. But let's just extend an olive branch and, and we'll all just kind of go back to the way that things were. And can't we all just forgive one another? Well, no, we can't. But why would that be written now? It being written is a full admission that they were wrong, that the left pushing this was completely wrong. Now, that's not stopping the left. The left is continuing to do what they do. Uh, they're continuing to break the law. They're continuing to fire people who, who don't want to take these shots or wear a mask. They're ignoring religious exemptions and so on and so forth. So, you know, this is, it's not going to stop the enemy is the point. The enemy is going to continue to do what they're doing. They're going to make admissions of guilt along the way, but they're going to try to sweep it under the rug and act like it's not that big of a deal. Again, we're seeing it with the upcoming election already. You already have a lot of leftists saying that it's going to be a red wave. Watch out. It's going to be a red wave. We're going to lose seats and that's just the way that it's going to be. I don't know if that's going to be the case maybe we have to see voter fraud blatantly happen one more time maybe that has to happen again this time around but the point is is that there will be accountability we will see it there will be martial law the biden administration which we know is fake will be arrested people will be tried executed and you combine that with a quote unquote suicide weekend when the when the local doctors and and school board members, mayors, city council members come to grips with what they've done to themselves and what they encouraged other people to do in particular with children. You're going to see people like those in in those positions killing themselves at a rate that can't even be calculated. It can't even be calculated. And then some of them are such psychos they're just going to crawl back in their holes and claim that they didn't know and It wasn't their fault and whatever else. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the people who aren't going to be able to walk down the street. Which endless Q posts were describing that also. So that's kind of my summary on that. Um, You have to have an election under an occupying power in order to hold everybody accountable for treason and sedition which is what is happening with this upcoming midterm election. This is the first real midterm election where, again, um, they just have to have people sworn in because they're being sworn in illegally, and that's a big, big deal. So I wouldn't be surprised if everybody in Congress eventually is held accountable Some people may just be run out of politics altogether. Others might be executed. But I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that this is going to happen. This is not one of those things where we were told all of this over the course of years to just wake us up to particular things to ultimately not see the military do what they swore an oath to do. And if you've ever seen the law of war manuals and you've ever held them in your hand, they're enormous. You don't write something like that if you're not going to use it. And it's very detailed. I mean very detailed. It has it broke down to, even in the con plan 888 thing, 8888 thing, um, there are contingency plans on providing medical assistance to people, that the military actually provides real medical assistance, maybe even cures to things. Helping out children, helping out the homeless, helping out veterans, all of it. So, I just wanted to make mention of that. Again, that's my quick breakdown of it. Uh, my recommendation, again, I'm going to link it in the description below, his Rumble channel. I recommend watching all three videos. Because you're going to feel hopeful at the end of all of it. It's going to It might sound confusing at first and parts throughout, but then the pieces come together. And, I, and I'm telling you it's uh it's a hopeful thing, but we just you know we have to we have to watch things and we have to continue to be vigilant and like in war, as you've heard me say, we have to protect our families and the people around us the best we can by encouraging them to either get involved in particular ways but protect them from the battlefield also, which is why we have to protect children from the battlefield that is American K-12 and university education, because these institutions are going to crumble for what they have done. They pushed masks. Masks do nothing. They pushed jabs. Jabs are killing the people who take them. Those institutions cannot remain. They can't. And they won't. They won't. The presidents of these universities, the administrators of these universities, the boards, whatever they are, they will be wiped out. If the shots don't kill them, military justice will. And if that doesn't, they'll do it by their own hand. Because the truth is going to be too overwhelming. And the facts are going to be too overwhelming. And it's not going to be hidden. Again, this won't be hidden. This won't be, well, it's not on Fox News, so people haven't figured it out, or it's not on CNN, people haven't figured it out. If you've read the graphic novel V for Vendetta and you've seen the movie, you know that the character V hijacks the telecommunication system in Britain and then displays his message as to what's going on in the entire country, who is responsible, and that galvanizes everybody in the movie and in the book. That's the point. So we're going to be shown. We're, we are being shown right now it's still happening we're going to see this happen and it will happen and if there's any zombie apocalypse it's going to be the crazies who took these shots and are flipping out from the truth it's not because they're going to want to run around and eat people's brains that's not it it's just that they're going to have a very hard time dealing with the truth and what they've done to themselves and their own children and their other family members in the ignoring that they've done of their own family members, and how they blindly believed things that, uh, excuse me, you know, th- that, that were not real, that were just blatant lies. They just believed them. So that's going to be the consciousness shift, I think, that, it, that is going to have to happen, and it is going to happen because it's already happening. Okay, that's my breakdown of that. Um, one quick anonymous post here from Great Awakening. I thought it was interesting again. Kind of ties in with what I just said regarding the this upcoming election. And it again, persons playing all sides here. You know, this individual again is covering all bases and why not? We shouldn't be surprised one way or another. They said I think everyone needs to be prepared for the midterms to be stolen. They said I think the midterms are going to be blatantly stolen. A humiliation ritual the stolen mid- midterms will serve as a point of acceleration in other words i think everything's going to speed up after this it's going to get worse and worse we're going to head straight for the precipice unquote it's highly possible that's highly possible look what's happening in brazil right now i i mean i saw this coming a mile away Bol- uh, uh, bolsonaro my apologies for getting his name wrong bolsonaro was pushed into a runoff. People were shocked that that election initially was pushed into a runoff. That was voter fraud from the get-go. Now, it's real voter fraud and even more blatant because they're saying that this communist Luna has all of a sudden won. It's, It's an absolute mirror image of what took place in 2020 here in America. Trump had the crowd. He had the numbers. Biden did not who won trump really won but biden was installed bolsonaro really won but this other guy has just stolen it and been installed and the media has just taken it from bolsonaro and now what i mean what are the brazilian people doing right now they're shutting down the highways because they know it was fraudulent they're shutting down the airports cuz they know it was fraudulent the military is going to get involved because the military has the responsibility to get involved. They have to. They have the ultimate say. Bolsonaro is surrounded by security in undisclosed locations, says he has proof of the voter fraud. What does that sound like? Sounds like America in 2020. The same thing is happening there as, as what happened here. And so which country is going to see justice first? I don't know could be them could be us but either way it's likely to happen and it's uh, again it's beyond likely it's going to happen these people are going to be held accountable they will be executed this will continue to be a thing um okay that's that thank you for listening hope that was okay hope it gives people some hope it certainly does me it's not false hope it's legit it's legit again you can't Possibly read those cue posts and understand that there isn't more going on with those posts than just what's at face value. There are so many communications within there that code breaking all of that is remarkably tough, but the magic eyes only guy does a pretty darn good job of at least diving deeper into what it actually means. So there's that. All right. Here's another geopolitical story that I wanted to mention. Again, this kind of slid under the radar. This is from a few days ago. Uh, this comes from ReclaimTheNet.org. It's also jab-related and uh, quote-unquote fake pandemic or pandemic-related. It is titled "U.S. Citizens Were Given Secret COVID Decree Violation Scores: Mass Surveillance During the First Months of the U.S. Lockdowns." It says, "Quote." Voter analytics firm PredictWise harvested location data from tens of millions of U.S. cell phones during the initial COVID lockdown months and used this data to assign a COVID-19 decree violation, quote-unquote, a score to the people associated with the phones. These COVID-19 decree violation scores were calculated by analyzing nearly 2 billion global positioning system GPS pings to get real-time, ultra-granule locations patterns. People who were on the go more often than their neighbors, quote-unquote, were given a high COVID-19 decree violation score while those who mostly are always stayed at home were given a low COVID-19 decree violation score. Not only did PredictWise use this highly sensitive location data to monitor millions of Americans' compliance with COVID lockdown decrees, but it also combined this data with follow-up surveys to assign COVID concern quote-unquote scores to the people who were being surveilled. PredictWise then used this data to help Democrats in several swing states to target more than 350,000 COVID concerned Republicans with COVID related campaign ads. In its white paper, PredictWise claims that Democrats were able to deploy this real time location model to open up just over 40,000. Persuasion targets that normally would have fallen off for Mark Kelly, who's running for Senate at the time and has now been elected. PredictWise understood that there were potential pockets of voters to target with COVID 19 messaging and turned high dimensional data concerning over 100 million Americans into measures of adherence to COVID 19 restrictions during deep lockdown. The company states in the white paper, PredictWise doesn't provide the exact dates of the location data was collected, but its white paper does note that the data was collected during COVID lockdowns and used during Senator Kelly's 2020 election campaign. State-level U.S. lockdowns began on March 15, 2020, and Kelly was elected on November 4 of 2020. So the data appears to have been collected during the first few months of this 11-month period. It says location data and survey data are just two of the many types of data PredictWise claims to have access to. According to its white paper, PredictWise also tracks telemetry data, which is passively sourced cell phone data, media consumption data, and unregistered voter data, which contains verified data on over 50 million unregistered voters. That's Upda- that's updated, rather, daily and sourced from credit files and portal registration data. Additionally, PredictWise claims that Crate & Barrel, quote-unquote, which seemed to be a reference to the online furniture and home decor shopping portal Crate & Barrel, is one of the portal registration data sources it has access to. In total, PredictWise says its data tracks the opinions, attitudes, and behaviors of over 260 million Americans, a figure that represents 78% of the entire U.S. population of 333 million. PredictWise uses the data it collects to create scores on 13 issues, preference clusters, and seven value frame, or psychometric clusters. These clusters use more than 30 million behavioral data points. PredictWise also claims to be able to use this data to predict the party of unregistered voters. Uh, It then says this in conclusion. This mass surveillance of location data and lockdown compliance is just one of many examples of the large-scale data harvesting that occurred during the pandemic. Was no pandemic, but whatever. It says private companies tracked the everyday activities of citizens, pushed remote learning surveillance technologies, increased surveillance in the workplace, and more. Meanwhile, governments ushered in numerous forms of surveillance, such as forcing citizens to wear ankle bracelet trackers, secretly surveilling vaccine recipients via their cell phones, and combining vaccine passports with digital IDs, unquote. Yes, it's being used against us. All of this is being used against us. Constantly being tracked, constantly being surveilled. And why would they miss an opportunity like a fake lockdown that people would blindly adhere to without even thinking about it? Absolutely nuts. And I'm sure they're still doing it. Sure they're still doing it. Okay, this next one was from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Canada-related. Justin Trudeau and his comrades seek to abolish internet freedom for all Canadian citizens. It says the following. It says the bill known as the Online Streaming Act, Bill C-11, would require major international technology companies that conduct business in Canada to subsidize local Canadian content. Viewers would essentially be forced to view material online promoted by Big Brother regardless of their personal desires. Conservatives who want to view a Fox News video on YouTube, for example, also might have to view content by the far-left Canadian broadcasting company, the CBC. Since says the legislation also expands the authority of the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission to regulate the Internet, in addition to phones, radio, and television the CRTC is made up of nine unelected bureaucrats appointed by Trudeau who already displayed their illiberal nature either uh, earlier this year when they revoked Russian television's broadcasting license at the request of the prime minister the bureaucrats would also be able to remove content online from prominent places where millions of Canadians rely on for their news, such as TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Conservative Canadian websites such as The Rebel and Canada Free Press would almost certainly find their content censored on those websites by government authorities, given how much they have criticized Trudeau. Uh, I'm going to end it there. Here's the other interesting thing about the Law of War Manual. The Law of War Manual states... Again, no way I'll find the specific spot. But if you have international countries all colluding to destroy their citizens, which they all have with the bioweapon shots, it means that the militaries of other countries can invade other countries and take over those countries and save those countries from their own governments. So theoretically speaking, the United States military can enter Canada and take over the Canadian military and Canadian government. That could happen. It's, it's possible. Again, I'll give you just one little, one little example. The 101st Airborne has been de- de- deployed to Europe for the very first time since, I believe, World War II. That's interesting timing. Why would that be the case? If memory serves, they're in Poland right now, or Ukraine, or wherever they are. They're not fighting the Russians. That's not what they're doing. They're they're doing something else. But um, you've also heard me say on this show, what on earth is happening with not just the National Guard and how the National Guard is being deployed all over the United States with regularity. But what's happening with the removed military members who didn't want to take the jabs? I think I said, is there some kind of like a catch basin for for them to where they can then be deployed for a future military rollout to hold these governments accountable and hold, again, their militaries accountable? I think time's going to tell on that, but Based on the law of war manual, it seems plausible. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Also a Canadian bill that would allow individuals to be euthanized even if they can't consent to it. So just murdering them. This is from LifeNews.com. Canadian bill would allow doctors to euthanize parent, uh, patients rather without their consent. It says Senator Pamela Wallen, if I'm saying that right, who strongly supports euthanasia, known as Medical Aid in Dying, or MAID, in Canada, introduced Bill S-248, an act to amend the criminal code Medical Assistance in Dying, to permit involuntary euthanasia by advance directive when a person is not capable of consenting to be killed. There are two points to this. It says the purpose of S-248 is to amend the criminal code to a permit an individual whose death is not reasonably foreseeable to enter into a written arrangement to receive medical assistance in dying on a specified day if they lose the capacity to consent to receiving medical assistance in dying prior to that day and b Permit an individual who has been diagnosed with a serious or incurable illness, disease, or disability to make a written declaration to waive the requirement for final consent when receiving medical assistance in dying if they lose the capacity to consent to receive medical assistance in dying, are suffering from symptoms outlined in the written declaration, and have met all other relevant safeguards outlined in the criminal code. This is awful. There's a lot more legalese there. Not going to get into it, but awful to say the least. I mean, they're already giving COVID jabs to people who can't consent while they're already being under uh, anesthesia for surgical purposes. So, murder seems to be the plan and the uh, the name of the game there in Canada right now, and it has, of course, for quite some time, as we know. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get into the jab stuff in a little bit. Allow me now to break down this education story and horrific video. <clears throat> All right. This was from the Gateway Pun, and it's been bouncing around lots of different places, of course. Uh, and this this deserves a dive. So... Stick with me on this because I'm going to break down this video. And again, if you're interested in watching the video, again, it's on Gateway. It's on my Gab page. Uh, that's that's a few places where it exists. But it's titled, Shock Video, New York High School Students Stabbed by Classmate as Fellow Students Record Attack. I'm just going to read the first paragraph here to to basically set up the location it says a student at proctor high school in utica new york was jumped from behind on monday by a fellow student who repeatedly stabbed him amazingly the victim was able to protect himself from further stabbings until teachers came and disarmed the attacker and broke off the attack all right this video is awful um it starts off first of all, in a hallway. It's being filmed by someone from behind as a very African individual wearing a red shirt walks up behind an Asian student who is was wearing a, like a blue hoodie. First of all, at face value, ladies and gentlemen, this African student does not look American. He looks like an illegal African. And I'm specifically mentioning this, not just because that's exactly what it looks like, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. If this person is in fact illegal, this is what we are inviting into American K-12 schools and American K-12 school systems and even universities. Sidebar real quick. I may have said this before. I don't think I did. I was gassing up A couple of weeks back, again, Oxford, Ohio, Miami University, right in front of my car, walking through the uh, parking lots and and gas pumps of of a gas station, heading toward the Kroger's supermarket, were two individuals who were dressed very in a very similar manner. I'll say, these were these were African individuals. I'm not talking about Black Americans. I'm saying they were African Africans, okay? Their heads were on swivels. They were looking around. Their mouths were closed. Their eyes were open. They were looking around like they were looking for people, like they were looking for things, like they were, again, uh, looking over their backs, seeing if anybody was following them. It was very odd. because And, and here's one of the things I think that I've, I've mentioned. And if I haven't, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I know I say that a lot, but you know, this many episodes in, I I don't know if I'm repeating myself or not. One of the one of the telltale ways that you can find out if a person is a foreigner or not is where they walk. And by where I mean very specifically, do they use sidewalks or don't they? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've seen this numerous times, in particular with African migrants here in the United States, in particular in the town where I live, they tend to not use sidewalks. They just walk quite literally anywhere they want, in between properties, in between private property, across the middle of an entire parking lot, in between cars. See, we don't do that. I mean, we don't do that by and large, do we? When you're walking through a parking lot, you usually stick in the giant open areas. You don't walk in between automobiles. You know, if they're trying to get from point A to point B, they, they will walk in a literal straight line, regardless of what's in their way. That's what these guys were doing also, who I saw in this, in this parking lot. They were doing the exact same thing. They were walking in a straight line. It didn't They are walking around cars. It was odd. It was odd. They clearly weren't locals, I'll put it that way. But neither is this individual in this school. This individual, again, no backpack. The only thing they're carrying is a knife. That's it. They're just carrying a knife. So, as the video plays, and I'm going to play it here without any volume, he runs right up behind this student and attempts to stab him in the side of the head. Asian student turns around, gets him in a headlock. And the African continues to stab him, stab him in the back, in the neck, in the shoulder. And the Asian student immediately recognizes that there's a knife, of course, and grabs the knife and protects his throat and grabs the knife and grabs a hold of the guy's wrists. This is the, it, it, as if that's not disgusting enough. This is the most disgusting part. There are at least. A dozen or more students just standing around at both ends of this hallway. With at least two students filming it. There's the main person filming it, and then the person filming it catches another person filming it on their film. No one, and I mean no one, comes to his aid. Nobody they're just standing there they start yelling for help in other directions but they're not actually running up to the guy knocking him to the ground getting the knife out of his hands and then tearing him limb from limb this does not happen so they're more concerned and more interested i should say in filming a potential murder than they are stopping one you've heard me say it a thousand times this proves my point that These environments are going to be for the uncivilized, the mentally and physically handicapped, and that's it, and the criminals. There's nothing about this entire scenario that is civilized, not a single thing. In particular, again, the lack of assistance that this person receives. They still grab a hold. I'm playing the video again here. They grab a hold of the person's wrist They're even grabbing onto the knife the the african guy is, is locked up the asian is yelling for help no one's helping him they're all standing there they're screaming he has a knife he he's he's yelling he has a knife he has a knife again the african dude is looking around and he looks older than your average student and then a female teacher comes around the corner a white female teacher she's told and yelled at that he has a knife And she goes, oh God, and she turns around and she runs away. So that's great. She's not helping at all. She tries to grab the Asian student because at this point it must be tough for her to figure out who's trying to stab who. A white teacher shows up, a male, knocks the knife out of the black kid's hands. The two of them still struggle and... and and punch each other and fight each other a little bit. And then a black teacher shows up, grabs the Asian student, and throws the Asian student to the ground. Rather hard, I might add, almost as if the black teacher thought that the Asian student was the guilty party in this. Now the female teacher is back. female teacher decides to take the knife and allow the two individuals to... Wrestle to the ground and whatever. Uh, And then that's the end of the video. You see, this is what the Gateway Pundit won't do. The Gateway Pundit has not worked in these environments. They don't understand what this really means on a grand scale. You heard me say again, or at least briefly talk about, and I certainly wrote about it in my last Substack article, that this right here is the problem. If this person is illegal, which they might be, I don't know it for a fact, but all the signs are there, uh, this is is the bigger problem with allowing illegals into American K-12 schools. They have completely different motives. They are not of this culture. They are not of this society. Who on earth would randomly walk up to another person in a school in an attempt to stab them in the head with a knife? I'm not saying it hasn't happened before, but it happens very rarely. And again, the response I thought was odd too. Students not doing anything about it, more concerned with catching it on video, not to mention. Who's the person on video, and why was the person filming before the stabbing took place? Before the African student, allegedly, I'm using student in finger quotes, uh, attacked the Asian student. Why, Why was the filming taking place already? Was that individual involved? Because if they were, they should be brought up on charges also. This was premeditated murder. It was assault with a deadly weapon this person should go to jail for at least 25 years. And if they're illegal, they should be deported after that 25 years. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to get a follow-up on this story. I would love to get a follow-up. I would love to get an arrest record. All of that stuff. We'll see what ends up happening. But in a nutshell, that one hour, or I'm sorry, one minute and, and 50 some odd second video is an absolute perfect snapshot of the state of American K-12 education right now. Metaphorically, literally, what, whatever you want to say. It's, it's, it's horrific. It's a nightmare. And it's not getting better. It's going to get worse. That leads me again to this, which I alluded to earlier. This was the Atlantic article that was written titled, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID by Emily Oster. Of course, the memes are bouncing around profusely. And as we all know, the answer to this is no. We do not, we do not need to forgive, because we knew more than what you knew. Her bio, by the way, Emily Oster is an economist at Brown University. She's the author of the Family Firm, a data-driven guide to better decision making in the early school years, and Expecting Better, and the book Expecting Better: Why the Conventional Pregnancy Wisdom Is Wrong and what you really need to know. I'm not going to take any plandemic advice, advice rather from, from this woman on anything. This is probably a double, if not triple-jabbed person. She's starting to learn things, starting to see that some things were unfair. Can't we all just get along? The ship has sailed. The ship has sailed. People can forgive if they'd like, sure. You can forgive people for being stupid, but their stupidity got people killed. And should we just sit around and forgive that? I know it's not the biblical thing to do, to not forgive, but uh, they're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs in the long run, and this right here is a perfect example of the slow roll Of them trying to come to grips with the fact that they were on the wrong side of history. This is only the beginning of them realizing that. This is only the beginning, and they aren't going to be able to write their way out of this. They just aren't. They're not going to be able to write an article and then pat themselves on the back and say, Well, I've come to grips with the fact that I was wrong about some things, and yes, I have some regrets, and can't we all just get along? And look, I wrote an article, and, you know, I did a good thing. Sorry that's not going to work. That's not going to work. It won't matter how many books they write, how many articles they write, how many speeches they give. None of that's going to matter. The comeuppances that are coming down the line here are going to blow them to pieces. They won't be able to say a word. They won't be able to speak, let alone leave their own house. I truly and firmly believe that this is going to happen. The same is true, as you've heard me say, with colleges and universities, which leads me to this, and I'm going to end with this. This was written by a student at Wellesley College, W-E-L-L-E-S-L-E-Y, a historically women's liberal arts college in Massachusetts. It says the following, and this is from globalresearch.ca. It says, all students required to receive the new bivalent COVID-19 vaccine booster. Wellesley Student Speaks Out. It says the following, and I'm going to read this whole thing. Here we go. Quote, I was appalled but not surprised when on Saturday, September 24th, the Dean of Students at Wellesley College, where I am a student, buried at the end of an email to the student body that all students at Wellesley would be required to receive a shot of the new bivalent COVID-19 booster. Then on October 11th, we were informed this mandate would take effect on December 1st, nearly three weeks before the end of the semester. This announcement follows similar decisions from Tufts University, Harvard University, and the University of California, among others. It also follows a growing body of evidence that there are, for a non-trivial percentage of the vaccinated, especially the young, serious, potentially lifelong, and potentially fatal side effects such as myocarditis and autoimmune disease to the vaccine, which it says CDC Director Rochelle Walensky acknowledges does not stop transmission of the coronavirus. It says, moreover, this is the article now, it says, moreover, the newest bivalent vaccine designed to protect against the now defunct Omicron variant was approved without any trials confirming safety or efficacy, and regarding the latter, at least the slim evidence we do have is not promising. So why is Wellesley, and why are all of these other colleges mandating their disproportionately young, disproportionately healthy students partake in in a human trial for a vaccine that does not stop the transmission of a variant that became almost entirely obsolete months ago. We know the answer to that, ladies and gentlemen. We know the answer. It's to kill them and receive money in the process. It continues. It says, the message from Wellesley could not be more clear. The education of students here, or at least our ability to complete it, is contingent On our willingness to take a medical treatment that did not exist when I enrolled here, the person said. There is no consent, only coercion with participation in a human trial, joining physical education, and foreign language proficiency as a prerequisite for graduation. They continued and said administrators, rather than trusting the students whom they admitted to make our own risk return analysis, have chosen to override basic bodily autonomy in favor of pushing vaccines that seem increasingly concerning for the young. In fact, which is now being recognized around the world, in Denmark for for instance, public health officials halted vaccines entirely for low-risk people under 50. Norway is not even doing first shots anymore for those under 45 years of age. At some point, the question must be asked whether colleges which which ask students to play immunization card Russian roulette are colleges whose credentials signal anything more than willingness to comply. They continued and said, What risk to safety are colleges such as mine, asking students such as myself to assume? When the administrators of Wellesley, a women's college, mandate a fourth shot of a vaccine that is now known to cause menstrual irregularities, a fact confirmed by study after study and acknowledged by even the strongest proponents of vaccination, what they are saying is not only that we have to choose between immunization against a months old variant and our educations, but that we have to choose between disruptions to our menstrual and ovulatory cycles and our educations. To be blunt, this has the potential not just to disrupt overall health, but fertility too. So colleges are are not just telling us they get to control and disrupt our bodies, but also potentially our families, not just our presence, but also potentially our futures. They continued, they said, quote, This is not even mentioning heart or autoimmune health that COVID vaccination is known to take a toll on, and the host of conditions vaccination has been proven will cause. Will colleges and college administrators be footing medical bills for any health related problems their mandates cost? Will administrators experience the physical and emotional burden? Because administrators seem to have decided, that there is no overreach too personal to commit against students. This is despite the fact that the risk-return analysis that these same administrators conducted last year now appears dubious at best, outright dangerous at worst. If their compulsion to impose more mandates is not about health or efficacy, it must be about something else. The simplest explanation is that this compulsion is about the mandate itself, about the appearance of progressivism and elite stature given that progressive and elite institutions now define themselves by their willingness to look like they are quote taking covid-19 seriously unquote at the expense of essentially every other consideration here is a question no administrator seem to be asking what does it mean when a college tells its students that their bodies belong to the whims of bureaucrats rather than to themselves It means that students are being groomed to believe that being an educated person means keeping one's head down and submitting to every top-down order uncritically. While a place at Wellesley prides itself on the atmosphere of intellectualism, it claims to foster, and while it claims to value academic freedom, which formed the basis of President Paula Johnson's speech at Convocation in September, All of Wellesley's commitments to autonomy of speech are utterly meaningless when its community is denied autonomy of body, which is also autonomy of mind. On some level, then, ongoing vaccine mandates like Wellesley's represents the decay of American academia and show where its real loyalties lie. Educating and forming students is for college administrators secondary to being part of the right ideological crowd, whether or not the ideological crowd is right. Not all institutions have caved to this pressure. In July, the University of Chicago rescinded its booster mandate and is no longer requiring exemptions from vaccinations. And Williams College, which, like Wellesley, is an elite liberal arts college in Massachusetts, at least appears to have walked back its booster mandate but seeing other institutional policies almost makes the reality at a place like Wellesley worse despite all available evidence and despite other institutions reversing course many administrators across the nation who are supposed to concern themselves with the well-being of their students are making decisions not on scientific evidence nor on the safety of their students but instead on politics This should scare everyone. Rumblings of anger can be heard at Wellesley, but the constant cycles of cancellation and gaslighting from the college and within the community have rendered many would-be dissenters too emotionally wounded to say a word about college vaccination policies. There is a reason I am writing this anonymously. It says, but this silencing cannot possibly last forever. If Wellesley or if any one of the other institutions with remaining vaccine mandates thinks it faces no consequences, it is sorely mistaken. As students as well as faculty and staff trace their own adverse medical events back to college mandates, the buck for physical damage will stop with colleges, morally, legally, and financially. The mandates will fade, but the memory of the mandates will not. Colleges like mine have all but ensured they are dead men walking. Unquote. Absolutely perfect. That's perfect. And they're 100% accurate. These institutions will crumble. They will cease to exist. Saying that they didn't know will not be an excuse. They will be held accountable, criminally, legally, and otherwise. And that's assuming the mob doesn't tear them limb from limb. And that might happen too. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you. It's coming. There is too much evidence. There's too much death. There's too much destruction. There's too much illegality. Too much immoral behavior. There is no way that these people will get away with this. It is only a matter of time. I'll catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.